everybody. Welcome back to episode two of <laughs> Three Guys, One Couch uh, for the 2021 NYFBL season. I'm Justin Turner, the Colorado Crush, and I'm here joined with only one other person on the couch. Who's on the couch this week? It's the other member with a bye. Yours truly, Lewis, the MLB MVPs. That's right. I think we should start with a big congratulations to you. Uh, great successful season, uh, earning the second seed in the playoffs. Just and got the first. All right, you can thank me later. But I was going to thank you first and congratulate you. And you know, how does it feel to have a bye? It feels really... Uh, I honestly think this is the clutchest and most desperately needed bye that I've ever had because my team is on life support right now. But... I don't know, man. Two weeks, like it's a it's a decent amount of time, but I'm pretty worried because all these injuries are uh, they're not a good look for the team right now. I'm worried about the semifinals, but it's far enough away where I could push it. You know, just hope. Yeah. So just looking at your team and the people who are on the IL: Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Jordan Montgomery just came off tonight. Chris Paddock, Carlos Rodon, and Luis Severino. Those are some heavy hitters. Yeah, I mean, like, Sebi, like, has been on it all year. He's had a, a bunch of setbacks, and I think he just had another one. So it's like, all right, you know, kind of sucks. But the rest of them are, oh, Rodone, Kershaw, and Mookie. Like, what? And Rizzo? What the fuck is that? Yeah, those are a lot of high picks. And then Rodone, who was a low pick, but probably, was he your best pitcher throughout the year? Him and Freddie Peralta? Him and Freddie Peralta. I mean, Kershaw was good, too. It's just Kershaw's been hurt since the beginning of July. So. What a world we live in that Carlos Rodon and Freddie Peralta are the best Man, pitchers oh, on the I team with the two seed. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, not even to mention that we did have a team this year who made the playoffs, I believe, with the fewest amount of pitching points throughout the year. Uh, so at the four seed, we have... Eric and the whirling Darvishes, ah. who didn't have any pitching throughout yeah. the whole year. I am somehow trying to confirm. Yeah, somehow. I mean, it was mishmash together. Um, he, does. he always finds a way. It is not. He, he has the 11th right now, but that doesn't count the last two days. So I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe he had the worst. But being led by the likes of uh, Chris Flexen and Vladimir <laughs> Gutierrez. Yeah. So. Oh, he's got Vlad Gutierrez. Of course he picked it. Vlad Gutierrez has had, like, four nasty starts in a row. Yep. And looks like he's, like, coming into form again, you know? Of course. Just in time. <laughs> of course. Naturally. Why wouldn't he? Also has Jay Happ and Brad Keller. Yeah. And Miles Mikolas. Who's yep. going to come back and be the ringer on the team? Don't forget about uh, Merrill Kelly, who put a nice couple of 20-point starts together in the second half of the year. Yeah. Everything just always comes together for the Whirling Darvishes. Uh, He's got a tough opponent, though. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, except for Noah Syndergaard. So I guess we know the answer to who was the proper hurt pitcher to draft to start the year between Syndergaard, Severino, and Sale. Well, you got both of the correct ones. I which got is lucky. Framber and Sale, man. Like, those are some big pieces. Yeah, I guess you could throw Gallon in there as well. He was he did that uh, four. But Gallon game. sucks. That's the thing. Gallon came back and he's terrible. And Carrasco came back and sucked too. Yeah. So, so it was got really two bad. of the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about some of these playoff matchups. Uh, again, we have the buys, so we'll be sitting pretty in two for two weeks, and we'll see everyone in two weeks. Um, but we have the three seed 
who is the third division winner, Humongous Melonheads. Congrats yeah. to Michael Hogro. I don't know if this Congrats. is his first time winning the division or first time playoffs, maybe? I feel like he's made playoffs, like, a couple times. I think the first year he made playoffs, no? Now, are we talking the original first year when he was no, Good no, Burger? No, no. Did those, those years don't count? No, I think since he's rejoined, I feel like he he usually has seasons like this. If I mean, I could be totally off base, but I feel like normally he's on the cusp but ends up making playoffs. Yeah, I... I mean, my favorite thing about him and his team is just he always has a strategy that he yeah. executes going into the year. And the first year, I believe it was pretty much all hitting. Um, and then it switched drastically to be all pitching. Well, this that year first was a balance. Year, yeah. yeah, I think he, that first year w- was just like surprised. I don't even know that he went into that draft planning to take, you know, no pitching. I think he was just like, wait, what? You guys are letting this hitter fall and yeah. this hitter fall? Yeah. Now, Hogbro checks in with the eighth most points scored in the league this year. Uh, do you think it's a, a surprise to see him at the three seed, considering his division, it was uh, him, the Hillwood Black Sox, the Brooklyn Brawlers, and the Squirtle Sluggers. Obviously, we have three teams from that division making playoffs. Yeah. I don't think it's a surprise. I mean, he's got a solid team. It's just the points... I guess Nick Miller had the most from that division. Yep. But I don't know. Hogs had a, a really good start in terms of wins and losses, so I think that just kind of carried through. Yeah. And I think that's the, the past thing. couple of weeks he's been on fire. So that's I'm trying the to find thing, like, yeah. the point totals. Like if there's a way to see, I think you can sort by date. But he's like last week. I know he scored the most points. He's looking strong coming into the playoffs. Yeah, so all you need is a little bit of luck to start the year, and then, you know, if you finish out strong and you make playoffs, you probably have a good chance on making a little bit of a run. So, yeah, yeah, it's he's going up against the sixth seed, who is, I believe, the Brooklyn Brawlers, if I'm not mistaken. And just to circle back real fast, since August 1st, he has the third most points. You're in first, Eric is in second, he's in third, and then Nick Miller's in fourth. There you go. Where are the MLB MVPs, may I ask? Sixth, right in the middle. There That's you go. what happens when your entire team hits the I.L. It's not... <laughs> no. um, so we have an old, would you call this a Vassar rivalry? A Vassar-Rumi rivalry? You could, yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to the playground days of uh, PS209 when they would probably play uh, Dragon Ball Z fighting against each other. You know, this is a deep, deep hatred that has run for, for decades at this point. So this is like Yankees, Red Sox, Lakers, Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a this is a rivalry of old. It's up there. Uh, who who through the matchups throughout the year has gotten the better of the other one? Do you think it's fairly even? Um. Yeah, because I feel like the way that the season has worked out has been. There's been, like, so many changes in, in power rankings. And it hasn't been, like, a week-to-week thing. It's been, like, in bursts. So there was a period where Luis Castillo was really putting things together. Frankie's team was looking like, you know, the strongest in the league. He was just scoring, like, you know, top two every week for a couple weeks. Now the past couple weeks, Hogbro's been the one that's up there. So, you know, it's gone back and forth. So I I did backdate my power rankings. 
Um, and exactly what you said has actually come true. I think this has been the year with the most volatility uh, throughout the year. So Frankie actually in week nine was 12th in the power rankings. Dead wow. last. That's uh, I think he was coming off of a couple of, of pretty poor performances. Let's see, week nine. Yeah, so he scored 257 in week nine, 212 in week eight. 332 in week 7, 325 in week 6. So he's coming off two pretty piss-poor performances. Um, and the win-loss record really wasn't there. He did turn on a little bit more towards the end of the year. But so week 9, he was last in the power rankings. By week 14, he was second. It's pretty much just a straight shot from 12 all the way to 2 uh, in those five weeks. So what? There's a lot of volatility here. It all clicked for him, and I feel like... Jay Cronenworth was like having a very quiet season and all of a sudden became like a top three middle infielder or something crazy. You know, like he just had like, I think I played him. Jay Cronenworth had a home run like three games in a row. It was just like, it's crazy. And Adam Wainwright has been, I don't like every great ace from like, you know, 10 years ago has figured out a way to reinvent themselves. Adam Wainwright hadn't, but then this year, all of a sudden, he looks like he figured something out. So I believe he was also pretty good at the end of last year, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't betting that that was going to carry over, but certainly it worked out for Frankie. I'm trying to do the quick math on uh, Hogbro's power rankings as well. So he actually topped out at 11th in the power rankings, week 9 through 11. So for three straight weeks... Uh, to start the year, he was around the middle of the pack, then rose to around 11th for those three weeks, and finished the year at number six, I believe. Uh, no, actually a little bit higher. I don't have week 18 yet. Data in here. about right, yeah. Yeah, Frankie was around fourth or fifth in the power rankings. I do wonder if they flip-flop, considering Hogbro's great week 18, because 419 points is a heck of a lot of points to score. Yeah. I do think that these are great matchups. Like, both matchups seem really close i don't know who's going to win either of them if i made you bet your life on <laughs> yeah. who would win this matchup um what do you think um i'm gonna go with frankie's team okay i'll t i'll take hogros just to be contrarian it's really close it is it's very close uh who do you think has the edge in terms of hitting versus pitching. I don't know if you... You did release an article last night, so I think you've dove into these teams a, a little bit. Yeah. Is there a clear hitting versus pitching advantage to be had here in, in either of the teams? I think that... I mean, I'd have to pull up the stats, but just looking at the lineups, I think Frankie's got the stronger hitters. Um, yeah. I would, I would go with Frankie's hitting. And as far as pitching... At the very top, you know, they both have some studs. I just think that a lot of these guys that are a little later in Frankie's rotation, like Maeda is now his what, like his fourth pitcher or his uh -huh. fifth pitcher? You know, it's. I think the depth is a little, I don't know, deeper, I guess, for Frankie's team. And Castillo is, oh, Castillo's nuts. But I do really like what Hogbro did with pickups, like, those were the two guys I was hoping to get this week um, with Lewis Brinson and uh, David Price. And I think David Price could be a really sneaky pickup because it looks like he's been bad, but 
the last start he threw, he was, um, I think it was cut short from a, a rain delay. So he hasn't actually given up like a ton of runs or anything. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and you think of the Dodgers, and right, Kershaw is not really coming back anytime soon, and Gonsolin, I don't think, is coming back anytime soon. They signed Cole Hamels, who then got shut down for the season after he pitched one inning in the minors, so here's your million dollars, Cole Hamels. Thanks for playing in 2021. <laughs> um, Urias just got hurt. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, Urias just got hurt. He's on the aisle now, so I think they could lean on Price a little more, you know? Would you say it's... Uh it's fair that they may throw Max Scherzer every game now? <laughs> You'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I you know what? Like I hope so. I want them to throw Max Scherzer every game. So his arm... Wait, wait, wait. Wait two weeks. Wait two weeks and then throw him every game. Um, so I just added in week 18 to my power rankings. Hogberg moved all the way up to fourth uh, back on the back of his strong week 18. Frankie fell to sixth. Am um, I still second or am I... You are second. I... All right, cool. You are second. So here, here's the power rankings going... Uh, Let's go 12 through 1. We have the Squirtle Sluggers at 12. Uh, the Murano Verrazano's at 11. Oof. The Web Gems at 10. The Team McLovin at 9. A Kiss from a Rosario at 8. We have the St. Mark Sly Sleepers at 7. The Brooklyn Brawlers at 6. The Hillwood Black Sox at 5. The Humongous Melonheads at 3. The Whirling Darvishes. Sorry, the Humongous Melonheads at 4. Whirling Darvish at 3. MLB MVPs at two and Colorado Crush at one. So, you know, they say that the power rankings work because the top six teams are the top six teams that made the playoffs. Yeah, that's pretty good. Look at that. It's a good formula you come formula. up with in your lab. If you had to pick one X factor in this matchup, who who do you think it is? Because uh, I have my answer. Um, let's check. I'll I'll give mine. Uh, I mean, there's so many. This is that. I, I I'm going to go with... Go oh, all right. No, no go, go. go. You've no, got please. yours no, locked and loaded. No, I don't want to steal yours. Take you're not going to steal it. I don't think you're going to steal it. No, go. Go. I'm going to say it's Blake Snow. Blake Snow. Okay. I was not going to pick him. Because he, you know, to use the words of Nick Pollock, he's a cherry bomb. He can get you negative 10. He had a 34-point outing in his, not his last outing, but the one before that with 13 strikeouts. If Hogbro can get the good Blake Snell... Because right now the top of Hogbro's rotation is Corbin Burns. Yeah, Burns. And he's, he's great. You know what you're going to get from him. Uh, he has 16 points so far tonight. I don't know if he's done pitching, but in line for a win and a quality start. Um, and then it's probably Musgrove, right? That's, that's the thing is, you know, Musgrove is also very good, somewhat inconsistent. But I think that Blake Snell is really kind of where this matchup hinges and will determine whether Hogbro can possibly come away with the victory albeit Alec Manoa the, the rookie standout not a great showing tonight yeah he's getting hit pretty hard right now um I was gonna go with Sean Manaya um oh, okay. for kind like of it. a similar thing if you click on Manaya, he had his four and fifth starts that he had whatever his fourth and fifth last starts 30 points back to back since then, negative four, negative seven, negative five. And Manaya had been a really strong part of Frankie's rotation. I think somebody who was stepping up when guys like Nola were really inconsistent. You know, Manaya, Disclafani, Castillo, they kind of, and Wainwright, those were like his big four. Yeah. Guys like Maeda and uh, Nola, who he had drafted in the first and second round, actually 
kind of looking like SP5s, SP4s, that range. Yeah. So I think he needs Manaya to be like an SP2, SP3 to really distance himself in this matchup. If not, I think it could be one of those, you know, where he doesn't separate enough, and then I think Ogbro could catch him. Are you sure the X Factor is not Dylan Bundy? <laughs> no. <laughs> it can't be Dylan Bundy. I, I do think, you know, this, this matchup's going to be close. Um, it looks like the early edge probably to Frankie, given the number of pitchers that Hogbro's already had, and I think he's had maybe five already, uh, and he's still down by a, a handful of points. But still, That being said, he might just have more two starters. That's the thing. Is it's probably way too early to tell. Yeah. So we'll track it as we go along. But uh, let's move over to the other matchup. We have the 4-5, where uh, the four seed is Whirling Darvishes, narrowly beating out the Hillwood Black Sox for uh, the four. Is, is that true? I, I think so. Um, it looks like they were all 10 and 8. Yeah. It, it's interesting how much points mattered this, yeah. this uh, go-around. I mean, it's not that surprising considering how close we've been saying all year that the league is. You know, we kind of knew from the draft. It was it was accurate. This is the closest the league has been. But, um, but yeah, another really close matchup. I think Nick has been the hotter team, especially he's getting some big pieces back. But Eric has that weird ability to just score 500 points in a week. It's like it you don't even know where it came from. Yeah, it's, you know, Eric's hitting is or was the best in the league uh i think the big question with nick is going to be injuries which has pretty much been his his story since he entered the league what like five six years ago um where it always to him comes down to injuries every year it's crazy and it's always different guys he's not he didn't take backs in this year he didn't you know <laughs> I mean, different so, guys. so bieber probably not coming back for this uh this round yeah. Um, Springer just got put on the IL with a left knee sprain, so he's oh, someone wow. who always, you know, I don't know, was that his fifth IL stint this year? That stinks because it's so hard to figure out where to take him because when he plays, he's like a top five, ten outfielder. He's ridiculous. Yep. yep. He did just get Eloy back, and Eloy had a. I saw one game he scored. Oh yeah, back to back games, seventeen and fifteen and a half. Yeah, that's uh, I guess what Eloy can do for you. Um, yeah. But Nick also had to sit with Eloy on his IL slot. I don't know if I'd have the patience to do that, given all the times Nick had, like, a full bench of IL players. That's true. Uh, Nick had to sit there and not give up on him. So I guess props to him for, for wading through that, and now he gets to reap the benefits. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think in this matchup, I think there's no doubt we'd say the pitching goes to Nick. Yeah, for sure. Um, Although Eric's pitching is... Yeah, you know, can, can surprise. I'll say. If Eric didn't lose Darvish, I think it would be a lot closer than we would want to admit. Because if you look at Nick's pitching, he's got some solid guys, right? Like Ray stepped up as an ace yeah. this year. Ray, so that's Ray's cool. been great. Ryu regressed a bit. So he's got Ryu and Kikuchi. And they're both kind of in this tier of like SP3, you know, SP4. Like, I don't know what you would consider them, but they're in that range for me. He doesn't really have another ace or big SP2. And he's had good performances lately from guys like Erod, but that could, you know, flip in a, in a second. So. Yeah. I mean, would you consider Otani an ace? 
I don't know. Otani, I think he scored something like 240-something pitching points. He's pretty consistent. Otani's just, like, ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. But I don't think I would consider him an ace. I, I don't know if he pitches frequently enough to be yeah. an ace is the problem. Although it really doesn't matter because he's doing so well as a hitter. I mean, yeah, that's... The guy has almost 700 points. I know, it's like, crazy. I was doing that article last night, and, like, if a guy scored 300 and something points, it was like, all right, they've been good. Otani actually almost has 700 points. It's ridiculous. It's, it's nuts. So Otani has 17 games started this year so far. Yeah, I don't know how that... points. Yeah, I don't know how that stacks up against, like, what's the max? Was it, like, 24 games started by the max pitcher right now or something? Um... I think the big question for Nick is going to be, and maybe it won't impact him on this matchup, but maybe matchups to come, is what does the innings limit look like for some of these pitchers, right? You have Erod coming off who hasn't pitched at all last year because of COVID and his heart issues. You have Otani who has never really pitched more than you know a couple of innings a year because he's always gotten hurt. You have Hyunjin Ryu who they said they were going to, limit his innings last year when they signed him but then obviously with the shortened season that didn't have to happen so i do wonder what ends up coming down the pipe with some of these guys and if they have to get limited i'm really curious in general if this is something we're going to see at all because it outside of the brewers it i haven't really seen a team heavily limit a starter yet so not in the traditional sense where they pull stars early like the brewers do but i do see Angels and Mariners have used six-man rotations this year. Sure. Um, which does, you know, help. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, some of these teams that just aren't in contention anymore, what's the purpose of them pushing their their starters? Know. But if they do something like a six-man rotation, I think that is a lot less impactful to a guy's value than if he's now just going to throw three innings and that's it. Yeah. If he just throws three innings and then they pull him, there's... He yeah, has no value. He's a long reliever. It's it's rough. Yeah. But I mean, even worse because he counts as a game started against your team. Yeah. But it, it you know as someone who owned Kikuchi through a long period of time where the Mariners were using a six man rotation and Bundy through a time where the Angels were using, it is kind of frustrating. Like you, it does add up over the year that one extra yeah, day that definitely. he doesn't pitch of starts that you don't get. The White Sox didn't have a six man rotation, but. Carlos Rodon would start, like, once every seven games or something like that. I mean, he's another one that, like, he didn't pitch last year. And are they... You know, the White Sox are obviously looking more towards the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Um, they need him, though. That's the thing. I feel pretty decent if Rodon comes back from the injury as far as he goes. But, I don't know, Peralta, they started to limit. A lot of guys. Like, you've got Trevor Rogers. Like, they're just... I don't know. But we haven't really seen it yet. It seems like teams are still waiting. Let's flip it's over. Gonna, it's going to take their, their place. Is it going to be like bullpen games? Or they're just going to pull really pitchers out of their butt? Like, If we flip over to the Whirling Dervishes, uh, I mean, they got Eliezer Hernandez back. He looked pretty good in his first outing. Again, you wonder how much they're going to push that guy. Um, but other than that, is there anyone on the pitching side here? Max Fried has been decent. Dude, I was saying earlier, too, Vlad Gutierrez is looking like, I don't know, Look, the, the weird thing is, like, if a guy comes and he's, you know, he's been whatever all season, and now all of a sudden he's averaging 18 points a game, he's an ace. Like, that was Mike Fultinovich the last time I I won the league two years ago. Fulty was getting me, like, 20 points a game when he pitched. And it's like, yeah, it was Fulty. He kind of sucked if you looked at the year as, as a whole. But 
when I was playing in the playoffs, Fulty was an SP1. So if you get a guy like Gutierrez to go on a hot streak, you get anybody on a hot streak, I don't know, you can just pick up yourself an ace. And I think yeah. Eric is the best at doing that. Yeah, I, he certainly throws enough crap at the wall that something eventually <laughs> sticks, I'd say, is more the strategy. But Yeah. Um, but on, yeah, like you said, Freed, Freed is probably his ace. Freed is the Dar- ace right now, now that Darvish, even when Darvish was, was healthy, he wasn't you know pitching up to his capabilities the last call at 10. Yeah. I mean, Darvish was still the guy, though. Like, yeah, yeah, I guess. But you, you do wonder, right, if the correlation between Darvish and the sticky stuff, is there something going on there? Yeah. Uh, Maybe. On the hitting side, would we give the clear advantage to the whirling Darvishes? You have to. His hitters have been ridiculous. Like Matt Olson, Raph Devers, Swanson even. Like you look at a, a guy who's like, oh, he's one of his worst hitters. And it's like Dansby Swanson yep. only averaging 2.76. But he's got 334 points. Same with like Colton Wong. Yeah, Colton Wong, yeah. Averaging 2.8. Yuli just came back off the IL. He's averaging almost 3. He's 2.99 right now. Trevor Story, he's got Kike Hernandez. Riley's having a career year. Everyone who I've looked at on this team is averaging 2.8. Kike, Riley, Dansby, Colton Wong, all averaging 2.8. Those are like his worst hitters. Grisham is close too. Yeah, Grisham's at 2.74. That's actually his lowest hitter if you don't look at catcher. That's crazy. Yeah. He's got Cruz. Ever since he went to Tampa Bay, Cruz has like woken up. And Soto is, yeah, I mean, he's Soto. On a down year, still averaging 3.35. So. Yeah. I mean, you... I mean, some of the, these guys you do look at, and you look at the previous five years, and they're, you know, 2.2 points per game averages, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, Eric owns them, and they're 2.8. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Matt Olson really cut all the strikeouts away. Yeah. Same thing with Austin Riley. But, I mean, they're they're good this year, you know? Yeah. It's pretty pretty crazy. He's um, not even starting guys like Segura and Adolis Garcia, and on other teams, those guys might start, you know? Considering their flexibility, Segura's flexibility is second, I third, and short. Segura. Yeah. yeah. If, Ooh, you, I, if you had to bet your life on who would win this matchup between Eric and Nick, who are you taking? Nick. Taking Nick. Interesting. Um, is it just because of the pitching? He just got Tatis back. Like, he's, I don't know. His, his hitting is not... Even though Eric's hitting is probably best in the league, Nick's hitting is really good. If you look at Nick's hitting, you gave him Aguilar, right? That's yep. solid. McNeil sucked all year, but he's actually been pretty decent the past month. Kyle Farmer, I don't know who that is. I think he's just been hot lately, but Kyle Farmer is in there kind of sticking out like a sore thumb with 1.9 <laughs> points per game. Nick, maybe just <laughs> double-check <laughs> Kyle Farmer. <laughs> but, like, Brandon Crawford, this is a huge year for him. Arenado... Tatis Jr. has 4.24 a game. Kana, one of the biggest sleepers of the year. Eloy just came back. Kepler, almost three a game. Mullins, 3-3. And Otani with a 3-6-9. So, like, how far behind Eric is the is Nick with hitting, you know? Yeah. And then I think his pitching is better, so. I, I would probably agree with you. If I had to bet my life, I would also take Nick in this matchup. Just given the recent... And, you know, it's very recent success of Nick's team. Eric did have a very strong Week 17, but came away with the loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Nick's been more consistent 
uh, Eric's Nick. Eric's pitching scares me a bit. Nick is a terrifying team. Like Grandal is closing in at the end of his rehab assignment. It looks like that would fix his catcher issue. And if Kyle Farmer magically, you know, stops, you know, being startable, he literally could take Arenado out of the corner spot, put him at third, and he's got Carlos Santana on the bench yeah. who could just be his corner infielder. It's crazy. I'd also take a look at Michael Franco. Yeah. And <laughs> see why he's rostered right now. I think that's a... He was hot earlier in the year, but yeah. He has 1.8. Mike, Michael Franco is the best spring training player we've ever seen. Oh, yeah, always. <laughs> um, all right, so that that kind of wraps up the playoffs right now. The one other thing I do want to speak about with playoffs is we have two matchups going on right now, but we did have a poll in the beginning of the year, and playing the football poll up did bring this up. Do you think we, we would be better off if we had all four of these teams playing each other right now and the top two move on to the semifinals? Or do you like the way it is where... We have the three verse six and the four verse five. I mean, I, we we both talked about this before even proposing it, and we both were on board with the idea of a free for all, because it seems like it's the best for competition for the sake of competition. It sucks if you have one matchup where both teams score five hundred points, but one scores four ninety nine, and then you got another matchup where both teams score, you know, two hundred fifty points because. It feels like both of the guys in the first matchup should just go on to the semifinals. Yeah. And I think it makes it harder that way. And because we've had such little diversity in terms of who's won the league, I think when we make changes, we should try to really even the playing field as much as we can. And I think anything that puts, you know, the top teams at a disadvantage is a good change. And this is something that would definitely put me and you at a disadvantage in uh like if that's what was going on right now and we had to play the top teams like let's say you know somebody makes a great pickup they have the second most points but they lose to the top scoring team you know it very well could be the case where both of those teams would have taken both of us out and now they're playing yeah i mean you look right now and we're two days in but the whirling darvishes and the hillwood black Sox both have more points than the Melonheads and the brawlers and yeah i mean you don't know like yeah you don't know where it's gonna end going to end up but i do think that you know that would be a a nice change to make i don't really see the argument against it like what do people say like oh it's it's less fun that way but i don't i don't really buy that because you know it's not fun scoring 480 points and losing like that sucks so yeah uh i mean i think there's an argument there to be made that you know if let's say nick ends up beating eric but eric has more points than frankie and Hogbro, right? Like, Eric would have been better off being the sixth seed. Yeah. I mean, Nick scored more points than Hogbro during the regular season, but Nick just didn't get lucky with the matchups, and there's a case to be made that he's a stronger team. To be to be completely clear, I think everyone's pretty even right now. Of yeah. these four teams we well, discussed, I, just, I think honestly, everyone's even. I would, like, I don't think it's bad to say Nick looks like the strongest team coming into the playoffs with what's going on. Like, his team is terrifying. If I was scared of one of these four teams the most, it's Nick's. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think the question is, as the four seed, should Eric be disadvantaged by having to play Nick, even though Nick got unlucky matchups or whatever it may be? Or is it better to just have everyone play each other? And I'd be curious to see how that works. I mean, it looks like we're trending that way in football. Based yeah. on the voting, it looks like we're going to give it a shot this year where in the semis, in the, in the quarterfinals, 
the three and the three through six seeds are all going to play each other, and the top two will advance. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I don't think it's actually going to make the league less fun, and I do think it would make the league better. So. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so too. We also have a new rule coming in in the next round, where as the one seed, I get to pick who I want to play. Yeah, the two people so. who win who win this match. I mean, I I honestly don't think it's very advantageous this year, considering how close all four of these teams are. Like, yeah, you know, if Nick Morano made it, I'd be rooting really hard yeah, for yeah, him to be able to win sure. this week, and then I could pick you. Yeah. Which side note, Nick Morano? What the hell happened, man? That so. Was- Let's let's migrate into that. Now we had two teams who started really hot. Uh, they were the top two teams, I'd say, for the first third of the season. They were first and second in the standings, and then they both Nick collapsed. Changed. Nick Nick made a an ode to my twenty nineteen team. He still has me in college as his profile picture. A much younger and fitter and fuller head of hair picture that I have to be reminded of every time I click his team. So is that when things started falling apart for him? Do you remember what week he put that in place? Um, I think he was 7-0. I don't remember. So if we go back by period from the start of the season, it's not going to show me when he made the change, but in week 7, he was 6-1. and one. So he started 6-0. and oh. Okay, it was 6-0. Nick, oh. Nick Morano started 6-0. and oh. Finished the season... Uh, Ten and eight. So he ended up going four and eight over the last twelve weeks, which isn't horrible. But you know, when you start six and zero, you think you're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, hilariously, he should have made the playoffs even with this, you know, garbage team that he ended up with, simply because <laughs> it came down to his matchup against Hogbro when he forgot to put Domingo Herman in, and I think Domingo scored like 25 points, and that was the difference. So what week was this? Do you remember? I don't. It was when he played Hogbro. We could find it if we yeah, go back. We'll try and pull it up. But um, it is crazy that the whole season was decided. Because, you know, we make these mistakes, and, you know, they're frustrating, but you're always like, ah, you know, what are the odds that that does anything? But in this case, it, it literally was the difference. You think of the impact that would have, too. If Hogbro has one more loss, that may change everything. Mm-hmm. Changes yeah. the matchups. Nick is in the playoffs now. He's the four seed. Someone else gets bumped. Yeah, well, I don't think Hogbro would have been the three. No, right? because uh, Nick Miller would have been the three. Because he would, they would all made, be ten and eight. It might have pushed Hogs out of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Like, I think that might have been the, the difference. What a crazy turn of events that would have yeah. been. I mean, at least they were playing each other, you know, so nobody else was really That's affected. That's fair. You know, it was like... I mean, we also, you know, it it felt like a little bit of smoke and mirrors with the Murano Verrazanos, but the, they did, after seven weeks, have the third most points in the league. Oh, yeah, they were killing it. They were killing it, but it, it was on it's the not like he was like getting... John Beans and, yeah. you know, so many guys who's... XERAs and FIPS were like in the threes, and their real ERAs were like you know 0.5. I think Means had a hundred percent strand rate, or one of Nick's pitchers literally had a hundred percent strand rate through like six starts. It was ridiculous. I mean, so he did get hit with some injuries. It was right like Kluber got hurt, Herman got hurt, Eflin got hurt, mm-hmm. um, Means got hurt, Bauer obviously had the the 
whatever it was going on that he's being accused of. Um, yeah. Was it just Nick's inability to replace those players? Like, did he not play the waivers well enough to replace those guys? Yeah, I think, you know, and Nick was busy with grad school and, you know, I feel like it's hard to... You and me are obsessed with fantasy, right? Like, a lot of us are obsessed with fantasy, but we're re- like, we write blog posts, we do podcasts, like, we put a lot of our free time into this. We do at least two every year. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the more time you put in, obviously, the more you're going to know, the easier it is to find those random, no-name players who are on a hot streak. I think Nick probably just didn't, you know, probably a combination of one, thinking he was in, Thinking that, like, oh, and even when I do make it, I'll be fine because John Means will come back and he's still going to be an ace. Like, you know, not worrying about what the worst could happen, you know? And then that combined with just not putting as much time into it, I think that's what his downfall was. So he rested on his laurels a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, look, You I, did put a hole in the slack. For I did. who had a bigger a bigger demise, him or Galembo, who also had a, a big demise. So I believe Nick did win that poll or, well, yeah. win or lost. Yeah, I voted for Mike, to be honest. So through seven weeks, Mike was four and three, but Mike had the most points scored in the league. Yeah. What happened there? Like, I, I got to be honest, I didn't follow Mike's team too closely, but somehow he ended up eight and ten, I think. Seven yeah. and eleven. Like, something yeah. went very wrong there. I think it was regression for a lot of the hitters. Um, he had, like, Heiner Falefa was, like, a big piece. Um, Chris Taylor's the only one who didn't end up regressing. Like, the only, like, oh, my God, you know, he's doing so well. Nobody expected this. And then he stayed good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, and then, like, Taiwan Walker, you know, who was averaging, what, 16 points per start. Now he's down to 10. Um Wade Miley was a little bit better. Although, you know, 13 and a half from Wade Miley is that surprising. You'll take it. Yeah. And that's the thing is you, you look at the guy who had Zach Wheeler and Garrett Cole. Yeah. And I understand Garrett Cole wasn't the same pitcher as, you know, last year or the year before. He was still very, very, very good. Um, it's the pickups, dude. It comes down to the pickups. Because if you look at the drafts, like I was looking at the drafts when I was writing this article last night. They were pretty close. Nobody had a draft that was so, so, so much better than anyone else's. Like, you, if you look at your draft, yeah, a lot of the picks are nice, but like you said, did you really know Framber Valdez was going to be the guy that comes back? You know, like, so I liked Rodone. I, I thought he had a good, you know, spring, you know, he his velocity was up. He looked good. He's exciting. But at the end of the day, Rodone used to walk six guys a game. Like, nobody knew that Rodone was going to be. So what really made the difference? The pickups along the way, you know. Yeah, it's about the friends we make along the way. Yeah. Freddie Peralta, a good friend of mine now. <laughs> Love the guy. Um, yeah, so why did you vote for Galembo as a bigger collapse? Than- I felt like when Nick's team was doing really well, we I was still writing a lot of you know articles, making content, so I was really looking at a lot of these advanced stats. And I remember seeing that like so many of Nick's guys were due for regression, like the 100% strand rate. So I remember Nick was, you know, 6-0, and but it didn't feel like that was real. Like, I'm pretty sure Nick won some matchups where, you know, he shouldn't have won them. But whatever, you, you know, I felt like Nick's team was 
more obviously going to fall apart, where Galembo's team was actually really, really strong for a while. Like, we got through to the middle of the season, and Mike had maybe the best team. Uh-huh. Or maybe second best, or third. Like, at worst, he was third. It was like Yumi and him, and we were all trading places this year. So it's, the- it's, it's funny. I mean, that's kind of the reason why I voted for Nick, was the fact that he was given such a lead in the standings. He did start 6-0. and and, you know, Mike was only, I think, 3-3 three and three at the same point. While Mike definitely had more points scored, I feel like Nick's collapse was more out of lack of moves, whereas Mike's was done. Mike was trying to make his team better. He made too many trades, But yeah. he made it worse when he, like, traded away Kiner Falefa for John Gray and yeah. Uh, Tabia. Yeah, Tabia was a big one. Yeah, Tapia was, the, was bad. Um, and then Tapia ended up on waivers somehow. When I don't know what back, I think. But you know, traded him to Jeff, and then Jeff was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I voted for Nick. Was I feel like Mike tried to make his team better, and and it just didn't work. But at least he tried something. That's fair. Uh, probably should have traded for Trevor Rogers. But... Yeah. Also, who knows what would have happened if Waskar Inoue didn't punch the bench, <laughs> right? What an idiot. <laughs> Having a breakout year. He punches the bench with his throwing hand. Has he come back yet? Yeah, he just came back. That's funny. He pitched tonight for the first time since May 16th. Yeah. What an idiot. He's doing well, too. Funny. Um, all right, anything else? What else do you want to talk about? Um, do you want to talk about your about article? You went through every person's team well, that was kind of like a fun idea so you know it's the regular season it, obviously you know if you factor in playoffs because i was looking yesterday at the points and you know when we look at a new season and we're prepping it's always really interesting because you look at who scored what last year and then what they're projected for the next year and those projections are always like 500 points and it's like wow this Freddie Freeman's going to score 550 points. What a good player. And then you look throughout the course of the regular season, because we have such a long playoff, you really don't see 200 of those points. You know, like Freeman has been amazing. And what's he have, 380 points, something like that? He's like hot, mid to high 300s. Freddie Freeman's going to end the season with over 500 points if he doesn't get hurt, you know? But... It's just interesting, like, your perception of, like, what is a lot of points. For me, at least, like, it was a big wake-up call yesterday when I was doing the article. But, um, yeah, no, I, we could talk about it. It was just, like, you know, a little fun thing that I went through. Um, Jeff's was kind of funny. That's the first one I did. And it was funny because his two bad picks were the ones that he made in the sixth and the seventh round with Glaber and Sixto. Um... I don't know. You tell me about it. I wrote it. You tell me. Yeah, no, I, I really liked it. I really liked the little fortune cookie italicized lines about each team. I thought you generated that somehow, but you made those up all on your own. I did. That came from, from my butt. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was really interesting to look at everyone's sort of best best and worst pick that they had throughout the year. I certainly, you know, we do that as a retrospective at some points, but... Um, very interesting to to take a look at it. I know there were some picks that you're like, wow, that guy was available for that long, like Robbie Ray. 
who was drafted, I think, in the 19th round by Nick Miller. And you look at the pitchers who were taken around him, which gives you some perspective of, like, preseason, who were we thinking, you know, Robbie Ray was like. And you look at, like, the pitchers drafted before Robbie Ray in order, Bumgarner, David Price, Taiwan Walker, Brady Singer, Brad Keller, those kind of guys. And then after him was, like, Matt Boyd, Griffin Canning, Ryan Yarbrough, Dane Dudding, like no one was expecting this from Robbie Ray. Like he was the no. one diamond in the rough of all those picks. Um, yeah, I mean he cut the walks. That's what Robbie Ray did. Yeah. It's 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 pretty incredible. And it really just you know reaffirms to me that like a lot of the success is based on second half of the draft. Um, yeah. It's you have to hit on some of those picks. You can't go empty. And just not have any of your picks pan out in the second half of the draft. It's it's very very hard to catch up. So, right, like first half of the draft, you're you're kind of looking for floor and safety. I'd say, especially at the very very top of the draft, and then at the second half, you know, you get kind of have to go big and and be able to hit on some of those picks and some of those either bounce back candidates or you know young guys who haven't proven it yet who have some sort of potential that's been undiscovered. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was really cool. If you look through the draft, it's a lot of the teams assembled, you know, who they took in very different ways. Like a lot of teams, like Daniel, for example, you know, he went super heavy pitching, right? That didn't work out. He didn't actually have a good staff. But the hitters he took were actually really good. He had a yeah. really good hitting team. But if you look through the draft, like some some teams like Hogbro went pretty risk heavy in the early rounds, right? He went Snell into Corbin Burns. Yep. Right, but he made the playoffs. Then you look at other teams like Nick Miller had a very. I was surprised at how safe I thought Nick's draft was, but Nick has a really strong like you know. You, there's not. When I was looking at the worst picks, right, like it was really hard to find the honorable mention. Like McNeil, all right, McNeil was a bust, but the honorable mention i put jordan hicks the 17th round who cares yeah the guy exactly. scored 10 points it doesn't matter he was his 17th round pick he actually didn't you know i feel like jordan hicks is fine because you took a chance he didn't work out anything after round what like 13 is like all right you know you're you're gambling at that point so yeah. i do agree with what you said it's just hard because so much changes from year to year like kyle hendricks was such a safe pick right he was like as a better version of Granky, but then he got torched, like just over and over again. Castillo, same thing. He was such an ace, and then he scored negative points at the point where Jeremy traded him. That's that's the thing that I feel about you know someone like Hendricks is that he, I, I feel like he's so labeled as safe to the point where he becomes overvalued. Whereas yeah. I know at least the last call it three years or so, I've had him target on my draft board in a certain position. And I thought I had a realistic chance to get him, and he's never fallen to me. Like, someone always reached for Kyle Hendricks because he has this safe label, whereas, you know, maybe he's being overdrafted. Certainly yeah. not last year, but this year I think maybe the love went a little bit too far on yeah, someone probably. like him. I mean, he went ahead of, you know, Granky, Berrios, Freed, Morton. And, and to be fair, I mean, Kyle Hendricks is safe in that he, I don't think, spent time on the IL this year. Yeah, and he did bounce back. Like, overall, he still had a solid year. Yeah. It's just he sucked in the beginning. Yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting to see how teams are made up and how you balance 
right? The potential versus the floor. Yeah. Um, it's also really funny, like, some teams change up a lot year to year, and some, like, I feel like Ben drafts the same yeah. type of team every year, and it's always so, so good. Like, I feel like if Ben just made a couple more pickups and, like, yep. was just a little more active, Ben would make playoffs every year. Like, he's constantly drafting these diamonds later on. He got Gaussman, he got Vladdy. Like, that's huge. Walker Bueller, number first. one player. Yeah. But, you know, it's... it's He had Jesse, Jesse Winker. Winker. Like, what? At 400 points, Jesse Winker. Like, crazy. Ryan McMahon. Yeah. Great season from him. Yeah, I, Ben Ben is very good at finding these players, but, you know, you have to be able to actively manage to then fill in the gaps where you have some sort of hole. Yeah is part of the problem, right? Because, you know, for every Jesse Winker, there's also a Jesus Lazardo. Yeah. yeah and that true. one didn't work out, but you have to be able to... I mean, show me a team that didn't have a bust in their first five picks. I don't think it exists. I think you yeah, go through every team, team and someone busted in the first five. Like, no one's perfect. Hilariously, like, it might be Eric. <laughs> you get a strong five. Uh, yeah. It is a strong five. I mean, really story, eight. eh. Through eight, his team was good except for Patrick Corbin. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Corbin. There's the bust in the sixth. Yeah. Yeah, through eight. Very good. But then it just kind of fell apart. Yeah, specifically on the pitching side. Yeah. But again, like, you, you look at that and it's, I don't think it's lack of pitching investment. And that, this is kind of the point I've been trying to hammer home for years now is you can draft all the top pitchers, but it's more than that. You have to draft the right pitchers. It's not just about putting all your first eight picks into pitching. It's about picking and choosing your spots where you say, this is the guy who's worth it at this point. Yeah. And I think it's instructive if you look at the draft board this year because, I mean, we can go through it right now. Of these pitchers who are taken in the first three rounds, or even if you want to just cut it at two rounds, right? How many of the the pitchers in the first two rounds ended up being worth their draft spot, would you say? Oh, that's a... It's hard, it's hard with DeGrom and Cole because of the injuries, right? Right. But, um, but first... injuries happen with pitchers a lot, right? They both got hurt. Beaver yeah. got hurt. So I, I would say... DeGrom was worth his draft spot. I mean, considering yeah. the flashes he showed. He was still great, yeah. Cole, I would say also probably. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's not going to finish as a second pitcher in the league. Right. But, but he's a top 10 pitcher. Exactly. So I, think I, I agree with you so far. DeGrom, Cole, Scherzer. Scherzer, I right. would say not. So we'll just go in order. DeGrom, yes. Cole, yes. Bieber, no. Right. Giolito, no. Right. Scherzer, yes. Mm-hmm. Darvish, I would say no. Yeah, I'd agree. He scored like three hundred, low three hundred. Bauer, no. Yeah, Bauer's honestly the hardest one to to evaluate because he was dominant. Yeah, and then he did some stupid shit. But again, like that's because of who we're talking about. That's within the foreseeable risks of a yeah. player like that. Like that's why he was he fell to Nick's spot. Yeah, if he if there were no character issues and no like, hey, did he use pine tar? Uh, or in the on, or spider attack on the ball last year, I would have taken him over Scherzer. Like he yeah. had this, so much of a better year last year. Um, Nola, no. 
Right. Castillo, no. Right. Nola, uh, Bueller, yes. Yes. So we have four out of the ten pitchers in the first mm-hmm. round worth their spot. Flaherty, yeah. I'd say no. I agree. He was hurt all year. Kershaw, I'll defer to you because you had him. I'd say no. Like, he did worse than Darvish. I, I mean, he was pitching well when he pitched, but he got hurt. That's part of the pitching, you know? He scored 280 points so far. It's not That's not a second rounder. Woodruff, I'd say yes. Yeah, Woodruff for sure. Maeda, no. Maeda, no. Lynn, I would say yes. Yeah, I think Lynn was, was a good one. Blake Snell, no. Definitely not. So, so, yeah, so what are we looking at there? So there were one, two, three, four, five, six more pitchers. We said mm-hmm. two of them were worth it. Yeah. So that's so, six out of 16. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And that's Those why not good ratios. you look at the second half of the first round, into the first half of the second round. There were, what is that, nine out of ten picks were pitchers, besides yeah. your Mookie Betts pick. Mm-hmm. Like and, that's, and you're getting the, the bottom of the barrel. You're not getting the top guys. Right, because they already went, yeah. I mean, four teams went pitcher-pitcher. None of those teams hit on both. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... I'm just curious if it's ever going to change. Like, it's such a scary feeling to have to go to waivers and find pitching because it sucks when your pitchers go negative, and hitters don't go negative like that. So the emotional reaction is like, oh, my God, this guy got negative 15. I need to prevent that in future years. In reality, though, you got enough pitchers that score 10 points off waivers, right? You're fine. Get the hitters that are scoring three, four a game. Yeah. Or mix it up. Like, you don't have to do what Hagro did the first year, but mix it up. That's what I've been doing the past, like, couple of years. You got to get your good hitters. I, I was surprised that Soto fell as far as he did. Same. Um... I would be surprised next year if, I'm not saying Freeman himself, but a guy like Freeman falls as far as he does. Because mm-hmm. I think there needs to be some sort of bounce bounce back, right? We've reached the pinnacle. The, out of the first 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 picks, 15 were pitchers. Yeah, I'll, I agree that that should happen. And this year, I think, really proved it. You look at a team like Eric, his pitching is actual dog shit, but his hitting is amazing, and he is the third best team this season, according to your power rankings. But I don't know. I feel like the tendency has just been there, so I'll believe it when I see it. But that's fine. Like I'm down to take whatever Vlad Guerrero Jr. at yeah. the the 12 spot next year or whatever it is. You know, like sure, give give me him, give me Tatis, give me give me Trout, Betts, Acuna, Soto. All these guys, like Jose Ramirez, like Jose Ramirez should probably be a first rounder. Like he's he's been so good. Yep. I mean, I, I think it's also you have to know your own management style. I think that's something that gets lost, and that a strategy that works for someone like you may not work for a different type of manager, right? You have to you have to know how yep. you manage. Like, I, I'm sorry, but there are people who don't check waivers incessantly every Wednesday and Sunday and put in their bids. And then you have someone like Eric who puts in 20 bids every single period. And I don't think that those two teams should be drafting the same way. I agree. But waivers is so important that, I mean, you're going to need to make pickups along the way or you're just not going to win. You're just not going to have a chance to win. The league's too competitive. And I do think that there have been so many pitchers every year, but this year again, 
who are drafted late in the draft, and they end up giving you top top value. You guys, you got guys like Chris Bassett, Robbie Ray, Rodone. You got Rogers off waivers. I got Peralta off waivers. So many. That's just a couple of them, you know. Yep. But there's so many guys like that. Kyle Gibson, DeSclafani, yeah. Yusei Kikuchi. All those guys are round. They become top pitchers. Yeah, round twenty-four or later. And the, that that's part of the problem is that if you spend all your draft capital on pitching early, you don't have the availability to take some of those flyers. Like you right. have to hit on all your guys because you don't have any of those other types of guys. Yeah, and. Even if you're not hitting on a in terms of a, a Robbie Ray where you got an ace out of it, you look at the 17th round, right? Taiwan Walker, he was serviceable. Chris Sale, a great stash. Sean Manaya has definitely been a great pitcher. And Ivaldi also has been a big part of my team. So that was the 17th round. There's four good pitchers. How is the 17th round better than the second round? Yeah. But it is. The 17th round this year for pitching was better than the second round. So, so I don't know. You, you look at a team like Daniel, um, who this year is kind of the, the poster team for early pitching investment. He had six of his pitchers by round 11. Yeah. So and he, of those six, <laughs> Sandy Alcantara was the only good pick. Yeah. and But you think of, right, like how many flyers could he take in the next 19 rounds on pitchers? Even if there was someone maybe he liked that fell to him, mm-hmm. he probably can't take them because he only has three more pitcher picks, and he used them on... Brad Keller, Carlos Carrasco, and Alec Mills. Right. And maybe he liked a Yusei Kikuchi, but at that point in the draft, he looks at his team, he's like, I only have one pitching slot left, and there are eight rounds left. I don't want to take that guy here. Yeah. No, it's a good point. We'll see if it changes anything going forward. I definitely think anybody that's been listening this long should, uh, should take that into consideration next year. Not only when you're drafted, but when you're picking your draft order. Sometimes it's nice to be... Like, I've actually really enjoyed being at the end of the drafts. Um, I think it gives you less room to screw up. I agree. Um, I, I, I think it's the same thing where certain types of drafters draft better from certain positions, right? If you're the, if you're the Wells who I'm going to reach and get my guy no matter what, draft on the ends. Like, go, mm-hmm. go to the 12 slot and then get your two guys that you want because you're going to be reaching anyway if you're in the middle. So it, it depends on how you draft and, and what you typically do to determine where you may you know, best benefit from a certain draft slot. Yeah. But, yeah, that's true. Okay. I mean, you could always mix it up, though, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I never draft in the middle because... I feel like it makes me uncomfortable to know both ways, you know, people could steal your players. It's harder to predict who's going to actually be there for you, but you can prepare, right? Like we've figured out ways to prepare and you've made the middle look like the best spot the past couple of years. Yeah. I, I think it also you know, changes between sports too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I typically, I, I think you can win from any draft position. Let's just say that. Up, yeah, I up, agree. I up definitely agree. But, you know, my, dra- my drafting people. style, I typically like being more towards the middle. Um, I don't like, you know, having the big runs on either end of me where I, it gets to my pick and I feel like I need to take a certain position because right. there's going to be a run. Whereas typically I'll have a group of, like, 
you know, three guys in a position that I'm willing to get, and I know my next pick is never too far away, and there's probably not going to be a run on a certain position where I can't get a guy that I'm comfortable with. So, yeah, I, I tend to enjoy the middle a little bit more, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. So what else are you looking out for these playoffs? Anything else you want to touch on? or? Man, I'm just looking at who I need to face in the semis to get myself another championship. <laughs> well, I will say this. I think that your team looks the strongest so far. You just got Chris Sale back. That's terrifying. He looks good. The scariest part about him coming back is that he sounds really motivated to prove a point. Yeah. And when a pitcher does that, usually it's like a Justin Ver- You know, we saw Verlander do that, and we saw what happened there. We saw Garrett Cole do that when he wanted to make the point when he, you know, he was struggling after the pine tar scan, and then he had a dominant game. He pitched the whole game. When pitchers are motivated and they have talent, it's really scary. Definitely terrified of that. But um, also, you know, like we said, all these teams are strong. Nick Miller is looking real strong right now. He's got 100 yep. points in two days. Tatis just had a home run. Yeah. Tatis is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Is he the best hitter? Like, I don't even know. He I has mean, the highest. Him I think, versus Acuna as just the pure best hitter. Yeah. I don't know. And where's Otani go? Is Otani the first pick? That's you know I still don't understand how to value Otani. I think next year is going to be the hardest draft to predict. Yeah. Where do you put Otani? Where do you put Acuna coming off an injury? Where do you put Tatis coming off maybe shoulder surgery? Where how about a guy put... like Vladdy? Yeah. Where do you put Vladdy? Year for him, you know. What about you him Cole? For Freeman? What about Bieber? What about you know? Because you also have this whole sticky tack nonsense where you're trying to figure out who's real and who's fake and but the real ones like scherzer are going to be 40 years old and who knows what team they're going to play for next year so it's just like there's a lot of uncertainty i did i did get a text from someone in the league saying next year i'm taking scherzer from you so (laughs) i mean we both we both had a feeling scherzer was going to be amazing this year but since coming to the dodgers like it's really nice yeah the best thing about coming to the dodgers is he doesn't have to face the dodgers because he did also, have two starts this year against the Dodgers, right? That was the best trade ever for you because you got Josiah Gray, who was going to be, what, like a reliever for them when they had everybody? Yeah, I mean, they do their Dodgeritis thing. And now he's the ace of the Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> and you have Scherzer on the best team in the NL. So. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, everyone just has to pray for health and... Hopefully it's a good end of the year for everyone. What are you looking at in terms of actual baseball? Is the, Do you have a sleeper team who you think can make a little run here? Um, I think the Brewers pitching is really cool. Like, I just... What they have been doing is just really interesting that they've been taking these guys with high strikeout upside and turning them into monsters. Um, so maybe them. Maybe the Brewers, like, you know, in a short series, they give you Woodruff, Burns, Peralta... And the other team just can't hit any of them. Yeah. How about you? I. I think someone from the East is gonna surprise people. Whether it's it's Philly or Atlanta, I don't think it's gonna be the Mets. I think Philly or Atlanta is gonna get into the playoffs and and make a little bit of a run here. Um, I just have a sneaky feeling because all the like the West is just monster, killing yeah. each other right now. And don't look, but San Diego, who's playing the Rockies right now in there down four to two. They're only two games up on Cincinnati for the second wild card slot. Like it's very possible San Diego misses the playoffs completely. 
That would be crazy. Um, For all the money that they spent on right. all these acquisitions, that would really suck. And Darvish is on the IL now, and so we'll see how it goes. But I do think I think Philly has the easiest schedule to end the year. They play like seventeen games against the worst teams in the league, or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think Philly or Atlanta, whoever gets in from the East, I think makes a little bit of a run. No shot for the Cubs, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> not not this year. <laughs> Who have become maybe the best team to dream against now. I, know. <laughs> I mean, they that traded team. everyone. Them and the Nationals traded everyone. But the and Nationals Scherz still have Soto. So they literally are Patrick Wisdom. That's who the Cubs are. Patrick Wisdom. My man. Um, yeah, what about you? Final thoughts or... No, I mean, been having fun. It's good to good to do a, a pod again. It's good to be back talking about this stuff. Um, think- I'm excited to to see what happens in these playoffs. Like, I'm terrified because I genuinely don't think I'm going to make the finals based on the state of my team right now. But you never know. Um, it's a lot of baseball left to play. For sure, for sure. I just need some guys to come back. Like, I just got a news update from Chris Paddock. Right, this is this is the state of my team right now, right? So, news update for Chris Paddock. It's the first one in ten days. The manager says he could throw off a mound soon. What the hell does that mean? Like, <laughs> I, I I need him. He's obviously not going to be back in two weeks. <laughs> is he going to be back at all? I don't know. So, it stinks. Until then, Jaime Barria, Griffin Jacks, and this new kid who apparently sucks but threw a no hitter out of sheer luck um that's what i've got right now well I, you do have some time to work with it so oh, and i have carlos hernandez too my team is awful right now look at my pitching right now dude <laughs> it's not that bad you have jordan montgomery so you can drop one of those guys sure but tyler gilbert let's see what you can do yeah, i don't know how that's gonna work for you but he's a reliever right no he's a starter but he does yeah. he's not an rp position he has RP, but his primary. Uh, but his primary, yes. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, like, look, Peralta, stud. Montes has been on fire. Granky, solid enough. Ivaldi, good. But after that, my best pitcher is Tuki Tucson. So, it's rough. It's rough out here. That is. Rough. How about you? You feeling unbeatable? No, I'm. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do when all my pitchers come back. I mean, I should have, by the time the next matchup starts, Sale is already back. I don't know what's going to happen with Tanner Hawk, who's in my minor slot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Boyd is aiming to come back the weekend before the next series starts, so I'm going to have to make some choices and decisions on people to drop. Um, Oh, man, you could really blow this thing. I could, depending on who (laughs) I drop. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Trevor Rogers is a candidate to drop. Cal Quantrill could potentially yeah, be a drop. Josiah Gray could potentially be a drop. Boyd, I may just drop Boyd outright. Word. Because uh, he has nothing really to pitch for. But, yeah, I'm just hoping I don't mess it Scherzer, up too bad. Morton. Yeah. You never know who you're going to see yeah, exactly. on waivers. Keep uh, your fab, everyone. Eric's been teaching for years. Keep that fab. How much fab does uh, Eric have, do you think, if you had to guess? Uh, 960. Uh, Fantrax isn't working for me, so. Uh, I'm gonna find it. Let's. You have a guess? Uh, I'll say nine. No, eight, 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 eighty. Okay. Whoa, six nineteen. Who did he spend money on? Wow. Oh my god. That's shocking. It is. That's totally shocking. That's funny. 
Um, I think next uh, for the next matchup, we'll try and get the final four teams on a podcast together, and we'll do that a little roundtable. Like yeah. And we'll see. Hopefully, we can find a time that works for everyone. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it. Look, if they don't want to come on, fine. We'll talk at them again. But if they do want to come on, that would be cool. That would be nice. We'd love to have you. Can I say that I like this perspective so much more of just being an outsider and talking about what's happening in the fantasy league rather than like <laughs> being in it and having to worry about my team? Yeah. Well, you only say that because your team is looking great right now. No, dude. There's just no stress when you're not playing a week. Yeah. We have two to just yeah. sit back, put our feet up, relax. Who do you think we're going to be seeing in these uh, semifinals? I think Nick and Hogbro. Nick and Hogbro? All right. Who do you Saying think? Nick and Frankie, which yeah. means Eric is going to win yep. and beat yep. both of us. That's exactly what that at means. At the same time. So. <laughs> Congratulations, Eric, for your second title. It was, it was <laughs> Logan Gilbert who got you there. <laughs> the whole Mariners rotation. Um, also, shout-outs to my team for doing all this without James Paxton. Who knows what would have happened had James Paxton showed us what he had this year. He was averaging 97 in spring training, only to throw his arm out. He pitched two innings? I, yeah, it was horrible. I was watching that game so excited. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I hate fantasy baseball. I hate this shit. I love those first starts of the year where you're just so excited for your team. And <laughs> yeah. They're just like, oh, like... You don't know the potential. Like, everyone is Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Uh, good times. Good times. But, all right. So we'll be back in probably about two weeks. Uh, we'll, yeah. With the final four, we'll have a little podcast. And then maybe we'll have a podcast for the finals, too. Look yeah. at that. One podcast in the regular season and three in the playoffs. I mean, it's when things are most exciting, right? Who wanted to really hear about Nick Marano being lucky and then sitting... <laughs> while his team fell apart. I will say it would have been great to listen back to those now <laughs> if we did have them. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. Who knows? Maybe this will encourage Nick and Daniel to make their podcast they've been talking for so long about, you know? Maybe Years in the making. Daniel did make a video the first yeah, two was, weeks of the year. It was cool. Was cool. Yeah. Definitely props for that. It's hard to make content, but, you know, if you do make content, it's appreciated. It's super hard to make content when your team is struggling, too. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I know. it's really discouraging. I know. Believe me, I, I had done it a couple of years ago. And then that's what really made me realize. I was like, this is not fun. I'm writing about this shit, and I'm terrible. I need to learn what fifth means. Ah, there you go. Yeah, and then you kind of just told me, and now we're here. Come under my wing. Yes, papa, papa. Mama, mama. All right, I think we'll end it there. All right. So thanks for uh, jumping on. Uh, hopefully this episode wasn't too long and people enjoy it. Let us know in the comments below. Uh, yeah, like, like, and, like comment, and subscribe. subscribe. Like Hit and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Lewis on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow Justin on LinkedIn. That's Man's right. coming for your job title. Let's connect. <laughs> Tell me about your business opportunities. Boo, Wendy. I'm a young professional. Yeah. All right. There you go. You, we can end it on that. Justin's a young professional. That's right. Who loves LinkedIn. And we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Have a good one. Toodles. Bye-bye.